This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, everyone? Asher Tolliver here with another episode of the Dive Bomb Squadcast. We are three trips deep so far and hitting the road again tomorrow for Texas. We're going to open the uh, early till season on the Katy Prairie with our friends at 2W Outfitters before heading up to Minnesota to join the guys at Maxed Out to get back on those early season honkers. And the last leg of this upcoming trip will be to see the man joining me right now, Lord willing, a north wind to hopefully uh, get into some molts with uh, Mr. Jordan Kyle of uh, Reaction Waterfowl. Jordan, what's up, man? How's it going, Asher? It's going, man. It's going. So real quick, um, Jordan, you're predominantly hunting west of the Twin Cities. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. And I've uh, I've been keeping up with you pretty regularly through uh, social media, and it looks like you guys are you're off to a strong start. You've been hitting it pretty hard. So can you give me a, uh, a little scouting report of the uh, season so far in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, every year is so different, you know, but um, it's it's looking good. Uh, the first two weeks, I'd say, before season, it was a lot of changes. A lot, a lot of people I talked to from across the state, we saw, saw big changes. There was feeds going on and, you know, some consistency and some patterns and um, something to base some consistencies off of. And then all of a sudden, about a week before season, everything kind of changed. A lot of guys I talked to said their birds left and and so everybody was kind of in a scramble, and uh, I just knew that there was uh, there's north winds coming, you know, banking on those to get some molts to push into to the area, and we got lucky with that. And uh, I think it was Monday was the first day of north winds, and then uh, we did see some new birds. So things are changing big time here right now. There's a lot of crops coming out as well, which is obviously a big uh, factor in everything where the birds are going to be. And um, so, like I said, there's stuff coming out right now. A lot of corn silage is coming out, which is a, usually a, some pretty hot and heavy feed. So I've seen a lot of that coming out right now. And then uh, the other thing that I noticed will um, change things or put birds in different places is water levels. So just paying attention to those kinds of things right now. And um, it's looking good. Um, a lot of birds moved into the area. And a lot of birds moved out of other areas. And uh, we hunted on opening day we just hunted kind of a traffic spot kind of got in between a bunch of different feeds and we, we did all right shot 24 birds so i was happy with that for opening day because it's kind of can be a gamble as far as uh you know it can be an all or nothing deal is it from my experiences on opening day so we were happy with that and like i said monday we saw some some molts rolling through and uh weather wasn't uh, uh i it wasn't uh wasn't the greatest for um, a molt migration, but it was definitely for a little trickle. Definitely. Now y'all's opener, that was, uh, that was on Saturday the 5th. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Um, your local hatch this year. Um, what do you, what are you thinking numbers wise? What, what are you seeing? Do you think it's about on par with what you've experienced in the past? A little better, a little less? I'd say it's nothing crazy from what I saw. Um, I'd say average, you know, I wouldn't say it was bad or anything negative or, you know, I'd say going from 
from neutral as far as change, positive, negative, I'd say neutral going towards positive, but nothing, nothing on a crazy, crazy end. But uh, one good thing is it was really, it was on time. Um, no major setbacks. Sometimes we'll get a blizzard in May or something, which can be devastating towards our, to our hatch, you know, or to young, to young goslings, young birds. And that can, I've seen that, you know, a couple of years ago we had that. And then other times, you know, there's a, uh, like I said, every year is just so different. You know, if you get a bunch of water in the spring and crops don't go in early and then there's, you get around to the, you know, fall on the other end of it and, you know, nothing's, no, nothing's combined, nothing's taken out. So now you have less options to even get in the field. You might have the birds, but um, yeah, our hatch was good. I'm not going to say there's anything crazy out of this world um, from my experiences, but it was good. And I, I also think that might have affected why a lot of the birds left early, you know, and this is me just thinking about birds. And I was trying to think about, you know, why is it, why is this happening? And why is that happening? And kind of study the, everything behind it. And uh, right. I, I, I kind of came up with maybe, uh, you know, since the hatch was so early and so on time, or even maybe on the, on the earlier side of things, as far as the calendar goes, you know, maybe those birds were so, at least here, you know, our local birds, they were older. Some years we have it where, our, you know, we're getting close to our September opener and some of those birds are, I mean, they look like they just had fuzz on them a couple Taking days ago, first a couple flight. Days ago, you know, <laughs> and they're not good at flying. All and right. that, that affects how we hunt them too, because I talked to a lot of guys, oh, they won't decoy, they won't decoy, you know, they don't want to come in, they're decoy shy. And my opinion is that that's a young bird. He's not, you know, if he's only been flying for a week, you know, and you set some spread up for whatever wind and the way they approach it and they just they can't get into your kill hole or how you right. have it up and they overshoot the decoys and go land out in the middle oh they're decoy shy it's like well are you sure it's like 20 toddlers running around you know they're they don't know what, how to fly you know they're new you know and then you got so i take that into account too i think that's a great easy. point man that's a great point that i've never i've never really heard anybody break it down that way you know i, I mostly have heard people say oh well you know they're 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 so young they just haven't formed any patterns they haven't formed their own patterns and they're all kind of they're still in that uh mom and baby mode um you know maybe that's that's what a lot of people say is why they they are maybe go out and uh short stop you really bad or skirt you when in reality it might be might be the way you said um I've never even really thought of it that way or heard it bro broken down that way. So I think there, there could be a lot of truth behind that. I mean, you're hunting, I mean, seriously, you're hunting geese that, you know, were just little fuzzballs just a, a short time back. You know, it's kind of the way I, you know, I just, the analogy I use is like a, it's like having a, a three-year-old running killers versus a 10-year-old, you know, on the <laughs> basketball court. You know what that's I mean? Right. Who's going to be right. more agile? Who's going to be able to do it quicker? You know, stuff like that. And that's how sure. I picture those young birds, you know, they, and so anyways, I, I think about that, you know, this year with that earlier hatch, you know, maybe they were able to fly a lot better. They're a lot stronger flyers. Maybe they picked up and headed to where there was more food because those birds could make a further flight. Right. Other years where they get pushed back, pushed back. And, you know, weather in the spring affects it. So now you're coming up on September and it's like, well, these things are, you know, you're not going to go walk, go hike in 10 miles with your three-year-old kid, you know, just, you right. know. so that's, I have no idea, you know, that's just fun to think I about. I don't know. I think it's a good, I, I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. What, um, this time of year, it's early season. I mean, we're not even a, we're not even a week into this thing for a lot of people. Some guys, you know, they opened up on the first uh, North Dakota, they've been going for a minute, but 
in your area, what's what size feeds are you looking for right now? What size feed is you say? That's a good one. I I, th- I like that one. I like the way that looks. Or eh, it's a little, a little on the small side. Or wow, that's a monster for this time of year. What what are we looking at there? Well, honestly, I mean, you know, every year is different. Like I was saying, and the that's even changed in the last week. Like uh, before opener, man, if we if I could find something with a hundred birds, I was that was a go. And right now, we just locked down a field tonight that's got like three hundred going into it. So. I mean, within whatever it's been, five days, six days, right. it's, uh, that's already changed that much for us. So um, it's just, like I said, that from that opening day and like everybody losing their birds and everything for this year specifically, I was on, on you know, opener driving around 100, 150 birds. That was, you were looking for that farmer frantically. Right. And then, like I said, now we're, now we're already starting to see feeds of three, 400, but uh, Monday here in Minnesota, there was a huge migration day, and there was a lot of people out hunting malt migrators. And I would be real curious to know how many birds were taken on Monday because it was a it was a pretty good push. Um, not the best that I've ever seen, but um, definitely definitely good on Monday. Now, before we get into the the main uh, the main juice of this uh, podcast and talking about malt migrators. Quickly, of course, everybody wants to know about bands. First of all, have you shot a band this year? And second of all, the area that you're hunting is that a is it a band rich area historically? So I have not been a part of any bands. A couple of my buddies, some of the other groups that I hunt with throughout the season, they were fortunate. I know my one buddy; they shot they shot three over the weekend, over the three day weekend. And uh, no, I I have not. Um, so my hometown of Hutchinson, they they banned there. They haven't for a couple of years. And uh, rumor, but I heard with COVID, they uh, there wasn't a lot of banding projects, so there are not a lot of new bands. Um, but Hutch, where I'm from, yeah, there it was. It's been known for bands. It's uh, not the same as what it used to be, but definitely there were some bands around here for sure. But honestly, a lot of a lot of a lot of the leg bands that I've killed have been on, on migrator days. A lot of those malt migrators are banded and, you know, you can, you know, that when they're, you know, anywhere from one to three years old and from, well, we'll kill them, uh, Illinois, Nebraska, Iowa. Right. But if you kill a two-year-old bird from Nebraska, pretty good chance that's a malt migrator. Right. Right. Um, so, Let's let's go ahead and start start talking about malt migrators. Can you uh, very briefly, and when we're going to get more into uh, specifics and some details, but for somebody that maybe grew up in Arkansas where I did, uh, or maybe somebody that's around, I don't know, Pacific Flyway or uh, somewhere that you don't experience this, because this is something really that has gotten increasingly popular with i think probably social media exposure and the popularity of these early seasons and i think the molt migration is becoming more understood every year i think it's a migration like it's like on monday like you knew monday was people were killing people were killing on monday and i think it's something that is probably one of the more predictable things in waterfowl um so for somebody that doesn't know 
about a molt migration, or maybe they've never even heard of that. Can you, uh, before we get too detailed, can you break that down for somebody to understand that's maybe is from Arkansas, um, you know, like like myself, and uh, make make them understand that process and what's going on? Just as far as weather conditions and what you're looking uh, for? No, 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 really more like um, the birds, like the birds and um, the patterns that they've got into. Because from my understanding, um, like the, the, the giant Canada geese, I don't, I don't think they're breeding until they're what, like three years old. And isn't this like the one and two year old birds that are kind of doing their own thing? Yeah. So, so when the birds go South for the winter, you know, they come through, they come through, you know, October, November, December, this part, you know, Minnesota, they come through and, uh, as spring comes back around, you'll see the you'll see the adults, the pairs, the the nesting adults come back, and they'll be coming back, and they'll be sitting on ice. They'll come back to those small cattail ponds and stuff like that. So when you're driving out in the country or whatever, and you're looking at geese, you're seeing pairs. You know, you're seeing seeing two right. geese sitting on a muskrat hut, and there's ice, and they're back early, and they're what they're doing is they're fighting and reestablishing their nesting ground and claiming their spot. Okay. Now those are the adult birds and that's what they're doing. And um, then around, so this is, let's say on a normal year, give or take plus or minus a few weeks, this is March. Um, you know, when you're hunting snow geese in Nebraska, South Dakota, that time frame. that's when, that's when these birds are coming back and, and doing that fighting over ground and, and claiming that nesting ground. And then uh, as things warm up and it becomes more spring like weather, um, I'd say, you know, May, usually the third week in May, you'll start, if you're paying attention and you're outside here, Southern Minnesota, you'll see strings of anywhere from, you know, 20 to 100, 150 geese, big long lines heading north. So it's basically a big group of teenagers that took their time down south because they had nothing to rush back for. Those adults were right. back before them because they had something to be back for. They had ground to fight over and they needed to get going and they want to be on top of it in case there's an early spring. So the so that's I basically I just call them it's a big big group of teenagers out messing around and they don't really have a schedule they don't really have a curfew they they just they're just living and you'll see them kind of just float back through um, it's like clockwork though man I'm the, it's the end of May you'll see them come rolling through and uh, they just kind of take their time going north and as uh, as this, as the summer rolls on they just they're in their own kind of little pods and I think they just keep moving north and something that I think that is a, a, a factor in that is uh, food. And if you follow it, they just keep moving north. Well, as the summer wears on, it's, if you, if you look at it and I, I kind of realized this when I was traveling the calling contest, because get out of your own neck of the woods. And I'd realized like, you know, the further South you go, it's been, it's been summer there longer. Sure. And uh, things kind of start to dry out or, you know, stuff like that. But if you keep going north, it's greener and greener and greener. And I think those birds just keep following that food north, north, north. And then it gets to be end of August and they're still in summer mode. You know, like I said, they don't, they don't really have home. They're just kind of nomads. They're just out floating around doing their thing. So you'll see a couple hundred geese sitting on some sheet water, some flooded whatever field, you know. And that's, that's what it is. It's a big group of teenagers hanging out there. And then all of a sudden you get these north winds and it's like a light switch. It's like, Hey, summer's over. And then they, that's what, you know, and that's what that malt migration. So I think okay. and that's, that's my theory on it. Anyways, they just keep following that food up north. And then 
you get in the uh, the Dakotas and there's tons and tons of wheat fields out there. Well, you know, when does wheat come off? August. So I think they go up there to eat and then that, that north wind tells them seasons are changing and you better take note. Okay. So if I'm hearing all this right, I'm going to try to run through this and break this down. So we're saying the breeding geese, they're heading back north in February, March, and they're going up there establish themselves to do their thing the younger non-breeding geese they're staying south longer they're not in any rush and then they start making their way back north end of may early june and then they find a you know a good place to molt and then they kind of hang tight until they get those sounds like those first you know cool north winds of September and they start making their uh, their way back south. So the bands were you were talking about you were picking up bands and you were pretty sure that was a molt. So are those bands because it sounds like the bands are coming from areas to the south of you. So are those birds that were banded in the spring? And then they make their way on up north, and then those are birds that you're shooting when the the first birds that make their way down during that molt migration and those cool winds of September are those is is that decently accurate? Yeah, for sure. And then the, you know it goes up. I've, we've shot them; they've been two, three years old. And another interesting thing that I found too is we've even shot them on opener. And uh, which was I was uh, a couple of years ago. We shot, we shot a, we had a good hunt, and we killed two leg bands. And there was uh, they were both like two year old geese from Illinois. But I know we've been watching that field, and there's like four or five hundred geese in this wheat field for like a couple weeks. So I, after that hunt, well, and then I realized it's like, well, there wasn't that many geese in this area to begin with. You know, four or five hundred birds is right. the area we're hunting. It's like that would have been a ton of nesting around here. You know. So there might have been some that you would call locals, but I think what we had was a big group of molt migrators that were summering there, and we just got lucky. So that's where that timing thing comes in as far as late spring, early spring, on time. So sometimes you might be hunting, like, so for example, this year, I think we were hunting strictly our local birds and even maybe some less because I think, like I said, the the younger birds were so – growing and had the maybe the muscles and the endurance to fly further that they left and went for other food so it was hunting our locals and like i said maybe less than our what we grew in your area and so that's that timing thing there but uh yeah so like i said that year and then so there's four or five hundred birds hanging out there and it's like well these didn't all mess you there might have been some locals there but um so like for example that year those birds for whatever reason, we're still hanging around in that area. And so that we had a really, really good hunt. Now, like this year, those birds were there. They were there. They were there. A week away from season, they left. And everybody went, oh, no, all our birds left. It's like, well, those are probably – you were probably watching a bunch of molt migrators that were hanging out there for a couple weeks yeah. or a month, and they did their thing. And, you know, those weren't your local birds anyways. Those probably weren't all grown there within 20 miles or 10 miles, you know. Right. Wow. That's interesting. Now, it sounds like in the, the the molt migration game, everybody's looking for that that north wind. And when you read some, you'll read a little bit about uh, the west wind um, being 
a good time to be out. What is it? What is it about the west wind that can cause a nice molt migration? You know, I'm not real sure on that. I would, uh, you know, and it is that's true. I mean, we've had a north wind. I just know I've seen that a lot. You know, I've seen people say they say north and they they say west, uh, or you know, north, northwest or west. But you don't. Uh, I was just curious. You know what the why that is? Why is it that 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 west wind that? Um, it's got to just be a favorable wind to get them where they want to go. If it's you know if it's still doable for flying, you know, kind of crosswind, but still pushing them the way they need to go. You know, I'm not sure. And then the other thing I always think about it too. It's like, what's it like? You know, the higher you go up. You know, definitely because that can all that can all change a lot too. So would you say where are the where are the places that are like the prime time molt migrator places? I mean, are we are we talking Minnesota, uh, southern Minnesota, South Dakota, northern Illinois ish? I mean, is that like the the bread and butter for these molt migrators? Honestly, man, I can't answer that. I, uh, I mean, I've only done it here in southern Minnesota, and uh, I know all across the state, people, people kill them, you know, on those on that on those uh, favorable conditions for for the migrators. Um, I know people that have done it in North Dakota. Um, can't think of if I know anybody that's tried it in South Dakota, or I don't know if anybody in Illinois tries it. Um, I've hunted in the southern part of the state, central part. I've never really hunted molts in what I would call the northern part of Minnesota, but uh, I know there's people out there doing it. And uh, I think I think the further south you go, the slower it gets. Right. As they as they work their way down there, but um, you you see it across the whole state. You know, I don't know if there's guys. I don't know anybody specifically or any if I've heard of anything where people are doing it in Iowa. Um, but uh, I, I do know the further north you go, the more I think the more action you get, the more you see. So where I live, I'm like, like I said, you know, like you pointed out earlier, about an hour straight west of Minneapolis. So I'm not, you know, I'm in that break Minnesota into thirds. I'm in that lower third. Right. And uh, and we see a lot of them here. So I don't, you know, and that's the other thing I wonder, you know, how far do they go? How long do they fly? You know, it's right. like, you know, you know, if on a good 20 mile an hour north wind where i'm at you know i could drive to iowa in, you know a little less than three hours so if you're flying 50 60 miles an hour you think that they could do it in a lot less than that so yeah i don't know i've never hunted you know i've never hunted most in northern right. iowa or illinois or anything like that it's hard to say where they drop down and and yeah. all that no it's it's like it's crazy like because in you know, obviously we're very involved with social media. That's, that's our bread and butter. And like the, the molt migration is like synonymous with Minnesota. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's like the thing, man. And, um, you know, anybody that knows anything about the molt migration and, and I'll be honest up until probably five or six years ago, I didn't even know what, what it was. I may have heard it loosely, but I didn't know of a lot of people that were, really uh you know really interested in it but it's just gotten so insanely popular but when you hear molt migration it's like minnesota is what you hear and then you start looking on social media and you can tell it's it's a big deal and it, it looks really cool so let's let's i guess let's just kind of get into it and how um somebody that's listening into this kind of what to look for or maybe somebody that maybe isn't hunting but they find it interesting and 
they've never heard about it. So let's start with weather. What uh, what kind of weather are we looking for? Wind and what is ideal for uh, trying to set up on a, a day of killing some malt migrators? So what I do is I look at uh, so there's a lot of lakes in Minnesota. So I like to be I like to be by water. I think they kind of follow that. You know, I'm sure they have their own landmarks too that they follow on the way down. Um, but as far as weather goes, uh, man, the cooler the better. Stronger the wind, the better. 20, 25 mile an hour north winds. That's uh, some of the best days that I've ever seen have been, you know, just that nasty, you know, just you want to go out to the duck blind kind of weather, that low pressure, cloudy. Um, like I said, you know, at least 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour pushing uh, 20. You know, I've seen it get into 30 and then it kind of not not be so great. I think that that uh, that ideal is probably that 15 to 20, 20 probably getting on the higher side of things as far as wind goes, but north, northwest, low pressure, spitting a little rain. And uh, when it's on, I mean, you'll see a flock of migrators every 10 minutes wow. or less. And it can just it can just be nonstop. And, uh, yeah, it's it's wild. But uh, and they, the flocks can be huge. And usually a lot of times um, there'll be bigger flocks, 30, 40 birds, and you just usually with calling and stuff, you'll pull and break break birds off i mean not to say that you can't get the whole flock to turn around and do it but a lot of times you just you'll break off a single or a four pack or you know half of them or whatever it may be but um yeah and then as far as where to go like i said i i look for water i, I don't like being too far away from water which isn't too hard in minnesota with tons of lakes and and uh bigger ponds and stuff like that cattail sloughs um but i like being in that and then uh a grass field is my my favorite hay field grass field but i mean anything that you can get good contrast because i mean they're up there they're they're little dots when you see them and you start calling at them and and, and breaking them down but the, uh yeah like a big spread of black and whites on a hay field or a grass field that's what that's what i want to do i've heard people speak of hunting on these days and they're just like you said they're it's like you uh you're you're they're they're up there i mean they're coming from the heavens and people say there's just nothing like whenever you get their you know their attention a group of molt migrators on the perfect day and they just start working their way down and working their way down and they just say it's the most awesome thing so obviously when they're up there that high and ideal the best days you're going to have some wind obviously you need to have some some firepower in the blind as far as calling. So I assume the calling style on uh, these particular days and hunts is, is very aggressive. Yeah, it's super aggressive. It's uh, so, I mean, honestly, the more, the better. I mean, if you have 10 guys out there, all calling and uh, break them down, then maybe back off once you get you know get them broken down. But it, it they work. I mean, honestly, they, if you've ever hunted my uh, the spring migration for snow geese, it's pretty much how they work. I mean, they're they're so high up there. They got to they'll spend. I mean, if you're patient with them and you you know you got confidence and you're high and everything and you got a, and you, uh, you got a good spread out and everything like that, man, they'll they'll spin and spin and spin and you'll get them all the way down. I mean, I've had them. They've been little black specks up there and. Five minutes later, you can't breathe or feel your face from calling so much, and they're walking around 20 yards in front of you in this decoy. So, 
it's one of the craziest things ever, but the, that's the best way I can explain it, man, is they work, they work at like snow geese. If you've ever hunted migrating snows and all of a sudden from the heavens are coming and they're bobbing down on you and it's like, they're just in that, they're just coming down the stairwell, just spinning all the way down on top of you. And uh, the, the cool thing about the migrate, the hunting the Canada is for me, I mean, it, like I said, it's a lot like the snows and how they work. If you're hunting migrating snows, not a feed, but uh, but you're blowing the call. You're able to be a lot more interactive, just letting the e-caller do it. So that's a, that's really sets it apart for me. That's my favorite. But uh, yeah, it's it. it uh, honestly, it's a, all the calling you can get, good, bad, ugly. I mean, there's no. It's they're so far away. It's just you're just you want a wall of sound, and you and you break them down that way. And like I said, if you you could maybe back off after you get them broken down, and that you got their attention basically. Mm-hmm. What, uh, you know, I know we've, we've talked some and keeping up with some of the stuff. I'm, it looks like some of these days, these migration days, they can lead to some long sits or long mornings in the blind because it might not be that typical getting ready to get after them right at shooting light. But this sounds like something that might be going on like through the middle of the day. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? And like, time the ideal time are we talking like anytime middle of day nine to one like what's what what have you noticed on those really good migration days the ideal time to be in the blind so there's one day that i kind of compare everything off of and it was it was an unbelievable day it was uh it ended up just being me and one other guy and that was when minnesota still had, we had uh i think it was one of the years we had the august season and we kept the 10 bird limit into september in our area it changed it varied on part of the state but him and I shot our 10 birds each. And I, I mean, shoot a 20 birds with just two guys and they were all migrators. I, we shot a Nebraska band that day. The other guy did. And uh, I compare everything to that day and I, I've never seen anything like it since that day. We, we got to like 18 or 19. And then we just started landing birds because we were flock after 40, after 40, we're just putting them in the decoys and just letting them walk around and get out of the blind and they wouldn't even leave. It was Wow, and uh that was the most that was the craziest day i've never that was like probably seven or eight years ago and i still haven't seen anything like that since then um obviously still seen some good hunts and some good pushes but that was i mean it got cold it was like high 30s low 40s and spitting a little rain and sleet and kind of and and uh the winds blew 20 25 miles an hour out of the northwest it was just perfect and uh I compare everything to that day anyways. It was uh, it was one of the best days I think I've ever seen. Wow. That's incredible. So it sounds like listening to this, you're not really looking for an X or a field that birds are in. It sounds like you need to get in a good flight line with really good visibility. Uh, is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, I, I like going to a green field. I like I like a grass field, a green field, there's a, and there's a couple different reasons for that. Not only do you get the contrast, you get the pop out of your decoys. You know, every decoy shows up on that. Um, my favorite, I, I mean, to me, you got to have, you know, the, the black and the whites. It's uh, the pop you get out of that. It's unbelievable, um, especially for, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what they're made for is getting the attention from a long ways away. Right. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
I like a grass field. And then if you got rain or anything like that, you're not sitting in mud. You're not dealing with any of that. So I look at a lot of stuff. I look at not only location, but you're looking for, you know, because a lot of times we'll get the north winds for three or four days. And uh, so I look up, you know, like parking, you know, we're going to be coming back and, you know, a lot of trips with trucks and guys, you know, does it have good field access? Are we, you know, on a muddy road or gravel road, stuff like that? Parking trucks, you know, is it like, you know, friendly, accessible for that kind of stuff? That's, you know, not only just for like where the birds are at and that kind of flight thing, but as far as from like a guiding aspect, or, you know, even if you're hunting with your buddies, like I said, you might be hunting there. Well, let's just like this week, we hunted migrators for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, it tapered every day. We saw less and less, but still, I mean, we're in the same spot. So you start, you know, that stuff kind of all comes into play too for, for us. I, I start looking at that kind of stuff as well. Um, just makes life easier um, for sure. But um, like the timing of it too, I mean, it's pretty much as long as the north wind blows. There's really no, uh, no like prime time. I, I think usually – Later afternoon is probably the slowest it's that you know it is. It's right. usually that early morning to the middle of the day. But as long as the north wind's blowing, you're you're probably gonna be seeing them. But even uh, I've seen it taper off, you know, into the afternoon. But definitely. That is awesome, man. So I, I assume your hide probably since you're out there with good visibility, probably most of the time you're you're running layouts in the middle or are there times that you're edging them in an A frame? Um, we're, I guess for me personally, it's always been, uh, let's see, yeah, pretty much always been out in layouts, um, which I, I, I don't hunt layouts, uh, all the time. If I don't have to, I prefer not to, like my favorite is a standing corner height. I don't think you can ever beat that. Um, but with that hide, you have such a big spread that the spread almost becomes part of the hide or at least part of the equation. You got, you know, several hundred decoys out. That just gives you so many more places to hide as where you got 50 out. And that's where part of a bigger spread makes you more effective. It's part, because that's part of it. It's not just necessarily like, oh, there's a lot of birds here. Let's come in. It's when they start coming in and working. They don't have time to look at every little aspect. If you got a clump of 50 decoys, let's say one little pod, and you got your blinds in there, as the bird approaches from however far away and he's looking at the decoys, right? That's what you want him to look at is right. the decoys. That's what you're trying to get your attention on. Well, they're also looking right at you. And if your height isn't great, well, they're staring at you the whole time and they're getting more and more nervous the whole time, you know? And they're not looking for the benefit of the doubt. They're looking the other way around. They're looking for any reason not to come in. Sure. And, uh, you know, they're just nervous. You know, they're a bird. And, uh, well, it's their survival, too, you know, so they have to. Definitely. Um, but anyway, so on migrators, you're having a bigger spread for the visibility. You want a bunch of decoys off for that visibility. Well, it also helps your hide. And so that's where I'm pretty confident. You know, you grass in your blinds pretty good. And, and uh, you're in a grass field, you know, and you don't have to worry about the shadows and all that because, you know, you, you're hiding in the decoys, but you have such a big drawn out spread. And I like to make a nice long spread um, downwind. Honestly, a lot like how I would hunt migrating snows. It's kind of funny the um, similarities now that yeah. I really think about it. But um, so, yeah, that's part of it. You know, that's part of it gives me the confidence to go out there and uh, hunt layouts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm trying to think. There's some times I think we've done it from standing corn. Honestly, man, we put you put a black hole out there and leave a little bit of an opening off the end of the black hole, and they come to the call. And how big of a spread? Uh, how big of a spread? Typically, getting a good north wind. Getting a good north wind. You know, it's it's looking good. 
uh, conditions are lined up to be a good migrator day, what are you going with? Uh, I want, I mean, I'm at least three, 400. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're creating some visibility, creating some contrast, putting a pretty good spread out there at 300. I mean, that's what 25 ish dozen or so. Um, that, that would be my starting point. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, I mean, as, as I don't know really that there's that much more that can be talked about as far as molt migrators, it sounds like you, you pick your battles as far as the weather, get a field where you can get some good visibility. It sounds like, uh, getting near the water. It sounds like that's, uh, that's always a good idea. Have some power in the blinds with your collars. You need pulling powers with big spreads, a lot of contrast, some black and whites creating that black hole. These birds are coming from very, very high, having a good tide and being willing to probably pack a lunch and stay out there. It doesn't sound like one of those where, all right, guys, well, it's nine o'clock. Let's, let's wrap it up. It sounds like um, some of your best, best shooting could come from, you know, nine ten to one o'clock so it sounds like one of those things to be patient with absolutely yeah so like this week there was i don't think i think we shot we shot most of our geese this week monday tuesday wednesday from like 10 to noon 10 to 1 when we shot the bulk you know and what we shot before that was probably honestly probably some locals just bopping Local, around always call yeah them. when you see them you know they're just going from water to water right you know, smaller stuff like that you're kind of just running traffic on your locals and then it seems like after that wind's been pushing for a little bit and you know it all depends on how strong that wind is pushing if it right. comes right out of the gate like that one day that i'm thinking of that that day that i compare them all to i mean it was windy we're it was windy and cold and it was blowing and we had everything set up and we're like well should we just go sit in the truck until we see something and it wasn't 10 minutes and we looked up and we're migrators and we ran out to the blinds and it was on but it was pushing wow. it was 2020 so I think that has a has a lot to do with it as well. But um, I don't know. With the most, the, the calling is what, what gets them looking. They usually, if you're just sitting there, and the only reason I know that is because I've seen migrators. There was a, I, one day we were hunting, and we hunted an axe, and we shot our birds or whatever, and we were leaving the field, and I was, you know, truck and trailer, and we were driving across the field, and I was sitting in the box of the truck, and I saw a flock of migrators, and I just grabbed my calls, and I just went to town on them, and I ended up getting them to circle and break down to about 100 yards before they realized there was no birds. I mean, we're in a truck driving across wow. the field, but it's still enough to get their attention and get them to come look. So that tells me that, you know, maybe they don't see them as much. It's like almost like the decoys finish them, and the call is what breaks them breaks down. Breaks them down, yeah. So these molts, are they pretty – you know, you got a bunch of teenagers out there, and I know a lot of times it seems like these big adults early season, they're traveling with their, you know, their babies, their little family groups. They're usually pretty tight-lipped, and then you might hear them, hear them tune up. But are these molts, are they pretty vocal, little little squeaky guys? I mean, can you uh, – they, they like to communicate with you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the more the better, honestly. And a lot of the times, you don't – like I was saying, if you got 10 guys out there and they're all calling at them and you broke them down and you're calling and calling out, keep on them. You know, a lot of times when you stop calling is when you lose them. And, uh, you know, people, you can tell, I mean, I, I'm not even kidding you. You, you blow in your calls hard and loud and can for like four to five minutes. Oh, wow. That's so it's, it's like, honestly, it's kind of the opposite of, uh, 
how I would hunt, you know, normally if you're hunting X, which I think most people probably do. You know, most people are out scouting and find a field and they're either hunting the X or they're going to run traffic on that X. And uh, I don't know, to me, less is more because, I mean, no matter how much you blow a goose call and how, how good you are, at the end of the day, you're still not a goose. So, right. But doing a lot, you're, you're only increasing the chances that you're going to, you're going to tell them that you're not the real deal. So yeah. to me, less more I, I just want to do enough just to get them where i want them you know i don't want to you know you know people say you know you're, not, you're never going to impress a goose so. right do a lot of these malts uh, a lot of them banded it seems like a lot of a lot of a lot of bands come out of molts i mean a lot of my bands have come from molts and not even necessarily all on molt migrator days you know sometimes right. so you get these you get these winds in certain areas will build up pile up with birds you know, like my hometown, there's a river that comes through and there's a sanctuary. So we usually we usually get some. So now you got a good north wind for a couple of days and you start driving around town. All of a sudden there's geese in places there weren't geese before. Uh-huh. Well, those are those are probably some moles that are going to hang out for a little bit or at least stop and, you know, for a day or two. And then they might follow the locals out to an X. So you can still be I mean, you can still kill molts. Not on a molt day, if that makes sense. Right. Um where are most of your bands from? Like, have you, um, so, have you seen a, any sort of trend? No. No? Not really, no. Uh, Nebraska, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota. Um, I mean, a lot of Minnesota, but a lot of, like, northern Minnesota. I think I have, like, I have, like, 30-some honker bands. Everybody says, well, you live in Hutch, though, so those you've shot them all. <laughs> they're all Hutch. But like, they're not. Honestly, yeah. I think... Out of the like thirty three or thirty four honker bands I have, I think like five or six are from Hutch. Wow, that's all. And the, and the rest are, uh, you know, a couple Canada from Canada. You know, some older birds and stuff like that. But honestly, yeah, most of them are Iowa, Illinois, awesome, Nebraska, awesome. So in Hutch, um, when when are you guys going to start seeing your true migrators, your big your big donkeys coming down from up north? Uh, I'd say probably usually we start seeing that first little trickle of actual migrators that are kind of where they actually stage up and get more predictable and they don't just blow right through. I'd say mid to end of October. Okay. Third week of October, give or take something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, quickly, um, if anybody, if anybody wants to find you, Jordan, you run reaction waterfowl. Uh, you're just west of the Twin Cities. Where where can where can people find you? Uh, as I mean, far as your website, social media website, waterfall.com. Yeah, uh, my website, um, uh, my social media is just my name, Jordan D. Kyle, like on Instagram or Jordan D. Kyle on Facebook. Um, all good ways to get a hold of me. I'll get back to you at some point. It's busy right now, but um, that's probably the best way, I guess. So, are you guys grinding pretty much every day, running clients? Uh, so far, yeah, it's but September's September's pretty busy. Um, so I just like I said, today was my first day without any groups, and so uh, we went and sat in the spread for a little bit this morning. We left that migrator spread set up just because we were shooting some bouncing around uh-huh. some local stuff. But uh, we hunted for a little bit and then got ready for tomorrow and uh, started started moving some stuff around like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's busy and uh, seems like it's real busy. A lot of people want to hunt this year. So I, Definitely. 
and uh, so that's good. I know a lot of a lot of other my buddies that run services too. They're they're busy, so that's good. Well, man, we will be there a week from today on the seventeenth, and we're going to be with you for two days, and then we're actually going to we're going to come back and see you again. I believe in what November, like fourteenth or fifteenth. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed for a. All these things we've been talking about, so maybe we can get a little low visibility a d- visibility day, little cool front come through, a nice north wind, and uh, maybe we can experience some of that um, that action coming down, just spiraling down like uh, snow geese in the spring on a good migrator day, because that's certainly something that I've never witnessed, and it sounds absolutely awesome. But man, I... Uh, we appreciate you. We uh, look forward to seeing some awesome stuff coming over the dive bombs this year. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, Jordan. Absolutely. Right back at you. Okay, man. Thanks. You have a good evening. Hey, thanks. You too. All right, guys. There it is. All about uh, the molt migration. That was a lot of really, really awesome information packed into that episode. So I hope a lot of you found that interesting. And um, maybe if you are interested in hunting molt migrators hopefully that can help you out next time you're in the field uh as always make sure you're following along on our social media channels instagram uh close facebook group dive bomb ministries forum and fan page be the first to hear about product updates new products make sure you're following our youtube channel we got a lot of awesome videos coming there this fall uh we hit the road again tomorrow and uh, we can't wait to uh, keep bringing you guys some more awesome content so thank you guys a ton for listening along until next time y'all be good thank you for listening to the dive bomb squadcast